Last weekend, I ran the Dead Horse 50 Miler. It was my first official ultramarathon, and I had a great time. And this is the race recap and a few lessons I learned from running the race. Quick heads up, I recorded this at my mom's house while I was there for Thanksgiving, and the audio quality is not up to par. It, it'll be fine. You can definitely hear everything. It just isn't as crisp as it usually is. So if you're wondering why everything sounds like I'm kind of in a tunnel, that's why. But I hope you enjoy it anyway. Have a good one. Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. We are live. Happy Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, today is going to be hopefully pretty, pretty quick. Sorry, it's kind of impromptu. I I've been cooking most of the day. I traveled most a large chunk of the day on Tuesday. So this will be probably on the shorter end. Today, let's talk about things I learned from doing my 50 miler last weekend. It's a few days ago, still kind of fresh in the brain. Still definitely have a few things to synthesize, but let's talk about some lessons. So for like those who didn't read anything about race recap, like short, I'll do that first. Short version, it was hard. Uh, I sprained my ankle at around mile 20. I finished it in just less than 12 hours, and I achieved my primary goal of finish without major injury and like learn things to help me become a better coach. Right? That was one of the main reasons I did this. So let's look at how the race went. Got in the day before and like went for a quick shakeout run. This is the thing I recommend for most people, unless you know it doesn't work for you. If you like had to travel to a race or drive for a while or anything really, you're probably going to want to shake out your legs the day before for like 20 or 30 minutes. Pretty, pretty quick. So that's what I did. It ended up being around 25 minutes, a couple miles, super easy with like a couple surges in the center. Then my best friend for like 30 years came to support me and we went to get some food and I tried to get some sleep. The week before had been incredibly difficult on a like social level and I'm not going to get into like details but it was rough but I also wasn't going to let all of that ruin something I'd trained for over a year to achieve so tried to get some get some sleep as much as I could woke up at 4 30 in the morning drank my normal daily amount of coffee a couple cups and showered largely to get warm did not last long because it was like 20 degrees outside Drove the start line, parked, etc., and just like tried to not freeze to death while I was waiting for my wave to start. Once we finally got moving, uh, it was fine. And just like as coming up over the top of the first hill, the sun was starting to rise, and you could tell it was going to be a good day. The first couple aid stations were uneventful, like completely unremarkable. Running went really well, and the first eight miles, like nothing of note happened. Um, this is this is where I learned like my first big lesson, the refueling strategy that worked really well for me in training was not going to work as well in race conditions. Um, I'd practiced it, but I had not practiced doing it like all out of one pack on the ground. So 
turns out these like subtle things can basically like double the time required at aid stations. Tried not to stress about it too much, but I knew it was going to cause some problems down the line because I was already mildly worried about a couple of cutoffs, right? Like Mad Moose can set some fairly aggressive cutoffs. There were two of them in particular that I was a little concerned about. So tried to just like move as best as I could. Um, somewhere around the like 17 mile mark, I saw the leader coming back at me, which meant this dude had run like 33 miles in the time I'd run 17 and he was just cruising. And it's just so it's like some people are really good at running, man. And if you run for a while, you get better at it and get better at this sport. But shortly after that, it's where things started to go downhill for me. I got distracted by something. I think it was probably a cool bird knowing myself, but it also could just be a cool piece of landscape. I looked up, I took my eyes off the course for a minute and pretty much immediately sprained my ankle. I knew it wasn't bad. I'd like destroyed my left ankle in college. So I know what that feels like. And this wasn't that. It's a mild sprain. It wasn't going to be a big deal, but I knew it was going to cause some problems considering I wasn't even halfway through the race yet. So I made it, I made it to the halfway point, 25 miles, with like 15 to 20 minutes to spare. And this is where it dawned on me that starting in the third wave meant I had 10 fewer minutes to make each cutoff. Because until that point, I'd been looking at like total time on my watch, like total time ran instead of time of day. And as a result, I was really close to that cutoff and was going to be even closer than I thought to a couple down the line. So <clears throat> I had to make it. 10 miles in a little over two hours with a good amount of elevation gain and a sprained ankle. So I knew it was going to be tight. It was fine until around mile 31. And then I got to spend three miles like suffering pretty hard. The angle of the course underfoot was cambering like down to the left, which was putting my right sprained ankle a lot more to work than I wanted. I was trying to ward off an asthma attack because I was a little dehydrated, because the temperature had gotten notably warmer than predicted. And I kept like an eye on my watch, knowing I'd have at best about 15 minutes to spare for the next cutoff. And this is where uh, like my brain kept telling me things like, if you just walk a little slower, they'll pull you. And you know, you're injured, you might be doing lasting damage. And both of those things weren't what I actually wanted, or, and they weren't true. I was struggling, and my brain was trying to give me an easy way out. So I turned up the music and kept moving. When I could run, I ran. When I had to walk, I walked, but I, I doried it. I just kept swimming. And I had to ask myself, like, what choice would make me proud tomorrow? And it was clearly <laughs> no question to keep moving and to try my hardest to finish. I had something, honestly had something to prove here to myself. And I had to prove that all the stuff I do works. I had to prove that I could do hard things even when, especially when I really didn't want to. It's been a while. So just kept going. I made it to Gemini, the like highest point aid station, with like 10 to 15 minutes before cutoff. And from there, things started to get a little smoother. The ankle still hurt and there was a lot of struggle, but I was no longer worried about cutoffs. The course was mostly downhill, so I just tossed everything to my quads for the next 10 miles. As everyone who's run the course knows, 
this section is difficult. It is a fairly decent downhill for 10 miles on hard slick rock. And I really appreciate everyone who warned me about this section because all of that like training and suffering I did on the roads paid off here. And I was able to get a good chunk of time back by just basically tossing myself down the hill and catching myself. And then just as you come out of that section, you get the pleasure of running on soft sand for about a mile as if your calves aren't already tweaked. Anyway, right around 5 p.m., I finally hit the final aid station, Gold Bar, with plenty of time to spare. Um, I topped my bottles up with some like, blue Gatorade liquid, put on another layer, got my headlamp out, and went on my way. Megan, the aid station volunteer, told me I had about four and a half miles to go, and I knew that if I kind of got to work, I could still make it in under 12 hours. So for the next little stretch, I was still fighting, or back to it, it had been good for about 10 miles. I was back to fighting asthma on and off. And some of this was by the fact that the park was, I don't know, on its way to closing. So you had a bunch of dirt bikes looking down the road. They're being very polite, but it still like kicks up dust no matter how much they tried not to. So breathing was a bit of a struggle, but it was pushed through it. Um, and then just as I like crest that final hill, the one where the sun rose, it was starting to like get dark. And this is when I thankfully got a final wind. The asthma died down, uh, the camber of the course like moved pretty to flat, and we were going downhill at like a not aggressive grade. So it was everything I needed to find a higher gear. And I just pushed it for the last 20, 30 minutes. And I held my headlamp at waist level to make sure I could see all the actual like changes and obstacles and I got the finish time of 11 48 and it's definitely not as fast as I would have liked but I felt really good about it especially with a busted ankle and everything in less than a year I went from struggling to run five miles to finishing a 50 miler in less than 12 hours I haven't worked like this hard for something physically in a really long time and Doing this race made me better. Someone as an athlete, but also as like a person and definitely as a coach. It has been a really difficult year personally and kind of needed to do this thing. So I had some steady intake, even while dealing with all this personal upheaval. And it was just good to have it come to a, a positive head at the end. So. 15 things I learned from this 50 miler, and some of these are going to be pretty short, but, you know, just notes I kind of took down my brain. First is double check everything. <laughs> I messed up stuff for myself that I do not mess up when coaching other people. Like, I got the elevation wrong. For some reason, it embedded in my head as 3,800. It was 4,800. An extra 1,000 feet over 50 miles isn't that bad, but it was enough to caused me some struggle, especially with a damaged ankle. And that is just a stupid mistake to make. All I had to do was check the race document, like actually read it rather than skim over it. Um, support crew was another one. They were not allowed anywhere on the course. So I had invited some people to come watch and hang out and they were not allowed to be there. Um, 
I learned this in advance. Everybody got fair warning. Um, my, again, best friend from very young childhood still chose to came out, come out. But if you are a person that might benefit from support on an effort like this, maybe just double check and see if they're actually allowed on the course. Because even someone like myself, who's pretty introverted and good being alone, it was a little isolating out there. So just, you know, double check the details. Um, number two, my aid station plan was not very good. Um, I was running off of a carb source that I know works for me very well. Um, I, in retrospect, would have tested some other things to give myself some more options and probably getting some like single serve options. I also would have tested it in practice exactly like I was going to race it. So I had in practice used either my car or my house as an aid station. And I'd go in and quickly handle everything and head back out. But that didn't account for the fact that I had to take things out of my bag on the course in the dirt and then get them all back into my bag. And it was just a much slower process that added an insane amount of time at the end, if we're being honest. So this is the thing. My aid station plan isn't very good. And even if you've tested large chunks of it, yours might not be that good either. So just be aware of that. Three is layers. Like this is a thing I had tested prior, prior to heading out. Uh, some suggestions from um, Jeff Winchester was keep the core warm, especially because I struggle with like cold hands and feet. I still wore gloves all day long and my feet were fine, but I layered up and down and I should have removed a layer earlier when the temp increased. It would have helped with the dehydration thing. So don't be worried to like take a minute if it helps you run better for the next multiple miles, right? You don't have to <laughs> suffer for as long just because you don't wait and waste a second here. And this is something I advise people on for food. If you're struggling with your water, water bottle, like getting it out of your pack, that so much that you're slowing down, it's probably better just stop for five seconds and yank the thing out. And this can be the exact same thing with clothing switches. Four, as a personal one, but like I should definitely have something available with caffeine, at least present. Um, I didn't use any caffeine after my coffee in the morning, and I should definitely have something accessible there because caffeine does work for me very well as a, I don't know, anti-suffer agent or whatever you want to call it. So caffeine. Also, probably some Tylenol in the car for after. I do not take pain meds during. If I can't run without them, I don't think I should be running. You do you. I don't think that is the case for everybody. But that is the case for me. That said, it would have been really nice to have taken a little bit in the car after I'd stopped to help deal with my ankle. Six would be keep a tighter eye on cutoff times. And then depending on the race, make sure you know like what time of day it is and not just how long you're running. I had the time of day on the front screen of my watch. It's not like the data or the information wasn't easily accessible. I just didn't look at it. I was looking at the wrong little quadrant because I just didn't think about it. Seven, um, if you use powder and you can't get it to mix in your bottle, then and this happened, it ended up actually gumming up the entire top and basically like creating candy at the top of my like bottle. Very frustrating. Uh, I figured out a way to fix this was just push some air into the bottle and basically let itself slosh around for a while. Super annoying, 
but it allowed me to, you know, have food and get through it and it fixed the problem. So if the powder won't mix, let the bottle slosh around for a little while and it'll eventually work its way down for the most part. And then eight is know your strengths and leverage them. Like I came into this training being very strong. So when my ankle was struggling and my cardio was struggling, I was able to put everything into my legs. Other people are going to be stronger on the cardio side and not as much on the strength side. So they're going to want to push the uphills and the flats and then take the downs on a course like this a little softer. Know your strengths and leverage them as much as you can. Nine is sometimes you have to choose the best of two bad options. Like for me, um, one of, when my foot was a little swollen, I kind of had to choose between um, like a loose shoe, which was not going to be helpful. I was going to like slam everything around and then I would probably get blisters or having my ankle be a little sore from keeping my shoe tight. And I chose the ankle being a little sore um, because I knew that was going to be better for my situation, having had sprained ankles in the past. I also had the choice of like putting a brace on, but in experience, I was probably going to get a blister under my heel from that brace, which was not going to, going to do. So I put off wearing the brace as much as possible. I had it with me, but I never ended up needing it and I never got a blister under my heel. So sometimes you just have to choose the best of two bad options. 10 was use newish shoes if you can, heavy on the ish, but like I bought a new pair of shoes that had been serving me well, but two weeks prior, wore them every day until race day, they were spot on. Um, 11 would be have a plan for getting home. I ended up driving myself back, which worked really well, but you know, if you push harder or able to push harder than me, that might not be your wisest choice. I saw some people who were struggling to move. I definitely actually couldn't have gotten myself home if I were driving my own car because my own car is a stick shift and I wasn't able to shift. I had a rental because my car is terrible on gas and I was driving down to Moab. So make sure you have a solid plan for getting yourself back. And then close to that is 12 is plan for good sleeping arrangements as well. I love camping. There's tons of camping in Moab, but if I had chosen to camp, I would have been dead and it just would have been an awful choice. So make sure that you realize how far you're running and how beat up your body is going to be and make sure that you can like sleep and recover accordingly. And on that, like eat copious at 14 or 13 rather is eat copious amounts of food. We went to get um, barbecue afterwards and I ordered like two full plates to the degree that the waiter thought they were at the wrong table. <laughs> you know, eat, eat a lot and you'll feel a lot better the next day. It definitely paid off because I was far less sore than I should have been. Um, now on the food note, 14 is probably bring some food for the night before as well. Like if you know there's a restaurant around that's going to work for you well, great, go there. But I would still have something in case you eat kind of early like we ate like six ish the night before the race and i was hungry again around like eight so thankfully i had brought some like rice and easy like rice and turkey and i had some of that before i went to bed just like top off carbs and a little bit of protein and 
if I hadn't had that, I probably would have like either not eaten, which would have left me hungry, or I would have ended up going and buying something not as great from like a gas station, right? So have some accessible options for you. And then finally, like the be all end all is, 50, is number 15. Make sure like whatever plan you have, you can adapt it as needed. The easiest example I have for this one was I got decently dehydrated, not terrible, but I was following my plan, my hydration plan really well. But um, with the sun and everything, it ended up getting warmer than projected. So I ended up losing a little bit of fluid. And this was part of the reason I ended up struggling with asthma issues because I was a little dehydrated. So I slowed down for a little bit pumped the water and got back on track and was able to maintain that for the rest of daylight, right? But make sure that you are able to adapt your plan as necessary. Those are 15 things like I kind of jotted down as a result of this race. And been asked a lot, what's next? Am I gonna do another 50 miler or a hundred or what's the deal? I honestly am not sure. Um, I'm probably done with the like 50 mile and up for a minute, not forever. I really actually want to do the one at Antelope Canyon and get into that canyon. I would love to do like a rim to rim to rim one uh, sometime. I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I'll be honest, I was around the like 50K mark and thought if I were done right now, that'd be kind of great today. And some of that was the injury, but some of it was also just me wishing that I could like try and push a little faster. So over the next probably year, I'm gonna focus on some like shorter 10K to 50K trail stuff and try to get faster. I wanna focus on elevation and like improving on the hills. I would like to pick up my speed. I would like to pick up like my lactate clearance and speed. And I wanna pick some races that allow me to stay almost completely on the trails, one of the reasons this training block got so difficult for me was because I was running a lot on roads to help prep myself for the slick rock. So I would like to make some choices that don't require that as much. And over the next few months, I'm going to prioritize getting strong again. Like I'm going to lift heavy for the next few months. I'm going to maintain or even improve my low end endurance work through a lot of like zone one, two, and three work, my aerobic conditioning is still not stellar. So unlike someone like God Killian, for example, who does so much of his work in zone one, if I did all of that in zone one, one, I'd be walking or hiking or rucking. And then two, I wouldn't actually see a ton of this improvement because I need work on like the entire lower end. So I'm going to spend a lot of time in like zone one and zone two. And then even sometime in this like low zone three, if we're looking at a five zone model, and this will help me improve that aerobic conditioning. Might, I'm going to start with some work on the elliptical until my ankle heals. Not going to make the same mistake I made in college and try to go back too fast. I will get back to running as soon as is realistic. And I'm hoping to get into some Nordic skiing this year. I've never really done that. And it, I know it's fantastic for aerobic conditioning and I also know it would give me that like solitary or solitude in the woods thing. So I'm going to try to get into some of that. And very bluntly, 
I also am going to try to target some loss of body fat over the next couple of months while my, while I'm focusing on strength work and this like aerobic boost without speed work, it's not irresponsible. Um, and over the past six months, I did exactly what I tell everybody else to do. I committed to the training and accepted that as a result of this like aggressive push I was doing, I might gain some body fat. And I did. And I'm proud that I was able to like hold that commitment and push the scale to like the back of my mind um, instead of what I usually do, which is just start eating a lot less and cutting and not taking care of myself. Like, I want to be clear. I don't care what anybody looks like ever. Um, I see a lot of beauty in a lot of different body types. But for me, I know kind of how I want to look. I have some body dysmorphia and I just want to lean down a little bit and I am looking to make some of those changes and the large percentage of that is going to be strength work and that aerobic conditioning will help keep the caloric burn up while also being a good boost and I'm just not going to do a ton of speed work over the next couple months to not put as much stress in my body while I'm in a bit of a cut I'm at like probably 20% body fat right now. And I would like to be in the like 10 to 15 range. I have no desire to get much lower than that because I've been there and I know how much suffering that feels like, but I do want to lose a bit from where I am. So strength train, uh, three to four days a week. I'm going to do cardio maintenance or like a little bit of improvement. And then I'm going to diet. And it's not going to be anything crazy. It's going to like track this coming week after Thanksgiving. I'm going to track for a week and see where I am and what's going to be happening. As you can see here, I'm in a my mom's house in Albuquerque. That's why the different background. I am also going to be moving soon in Salt Lake for reasons, again, I'm not going to get into. Um, it's annoying. I don't want to deal with it, but it will be ultimately for the best. I don't know what the next couple of weeks are going to look like as a result, but I all but guarantee this coming week, I'm going to post an interview I've done with someone and then we're going to move into some other stuff as we go along. So keep an eye out also over the course of the next month, I will be doing some coaching sale in December to celebrate my first ultra finish and the end of what has largely been a very difficult year for me personally, but a very successful year on a coaching front. And I will tell you, I will be doing nothing for Black Friday because I do not like Black Friday. I refuse to celebrate it in any way. If you like it, that's great. But I rather follow REI's idea and like opt outside. So keep an eye on December. We're going to do some, do some stuff and give people some options. And that's really all I have for today. Esther, yeah, my ankle's a little busted, but not too bad. It'll be fine. Again, I did not destroy it, but it's what it is. So... Thank y'all here for being here. I'm sure the quality doesn't look or sound like it normally does, but I still wanted to get something out for you this week, especially while I was super fresh in my brain. If you have any questions, pop them in the comments um, or anything else that you might think somebody else might want to know from running these long distances would also be super helpful. I will get this podcast up probably over the weekend. If I'm being super honest, I'm going to enjoy Thanksgiving tomorrow and I'm not going to work. So I hope you all have a very happy holiday for those of you in the States, for everybody else can, you know, hear about our 
weird holidays from abroad, and I hope you all have a great rest of your week. I will be back next week with something in some location. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.